Just in and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? The legends are true. Overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Have you noticed strange behavior in your child or children? Have you noticed them gathering things such as tiny pieces of paper and tokens and pictures of rad demons? Mommy, mommy, I just cut up the house. Have you seen your child run into their bedrooms, leaving for hours at a time and hearing a faint crinkling noise? Has there been hundreds of dollars missing from your wallet and bank account? But I bought dice. <laughs> then your child could very well be a victim of c cardboard crack dun, dun, dun. and addiction dun, dun, dun. that millions suffer from. A horrifying lifestyle that has destroyed young minds and corrupted their souls towards the devil and decadence and premarital sex. Well, no, not that one. Yeah, yeah. Wait till marriage. <laughs> or never get married. Uh, it's uh, fucking Wizard and the Bruiser, everybody. Welcome. This week, Wizard and the Bruiser, more like Wizards of the Coast. Wizards what? Yeah. Who do, Who are they? They're the creators of uh, this, the, the, uh, the, this week's episode's topic, Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering, you crazy bastards. We're uh, doing a whole episode on the card craze phenomenon. <laughs> here to torture the souls of your children. Uh, I, I am the wizard, Jake Young. I am the bruiser, Holden McNeely, and I've got to say... My fists are getting all bruised up from beating on people. <laughs> oh, let me cast a healing spell on the young one. Why do we always use character voices? <laughs> that healing spell won't convince the police that I haven't been physically assaulting people on the street, Jay. Why, no one with knuckles that clean could be capable of a crime. <laughs> I won't. And the high school play, I got an award for best knuckles. And they didn't give out awards because it was a play. That's how big my knuckles were. Um, man... This, there's a lot to this. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> so the experience of doing research for this... It's I, like the Power Rangers of trading card games. Yeah, we're going to have to show our hand <laughs> eh, real what? early with this one because uh, I have not been... I did not play Magic cards and like since I was... Like, the handful of times I played at Fat Camp in the late 90s. Uh, yeah, real talk. Uh, the weird, I was on a church retreat, and the weird kid taught me how to play, and I was like, cool. And then I, like, tried to get away from him because I quickly realized he was the weird kid. <laughs> and he ended up getting kicked out of my church for showing up one day with a pentagram on his forehead. 
I mean, Magic the Gathering is a, it's a gateway to the devil. The devil's bane. The church thought that they had finally squelched Dungeons and Dragons from warping <laughs> the minds of children, but it turns out we just got tinier and wilier. Yes, a certain Satan's minion named Richard Garfield, heavily inspired by the devil's juice known <laughs> as Dungeons and Dragons. When, uh, he was also a mathematician. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll was, get into that. He was a very smart man. Uh, he was a grad student at uh, UPenn. And, That's uh, right. He, uh, in 1992, he had a dazzling idea in his heart, and his friend Mike told him that this game, which used cards, was so brilliant that he should pitch it to all to, to get it published as a real game. And so, so Richard Garfield, not Richard Heathcliff, his weird psycho twin brother, <laughs> we don't talk about Richard Heathcliff, he invented Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, <laughs> Richard Garfield uh, went to TSR, and they went to Parker Brothers, and they went to all the big game publishers, and they said, we got a great idea, and they all said, who are you, Gleave? But one company on the West Coast, uh, based near Seattle, decided to give them a 15-minute meeting, and they sat down, and they said, listen, Peter Atkinson, president of Wizards of the Coast, this is a legendary meeting in 1992. We got a game. It's got cards. It's addictive. It's fun. You're going to love it. And we call it Robo Rally. <laughs> That's right. Robo Rally. Woo! You it, got that Robo Rally fever. Ooh, I can't believe I'm in a robot factory trying to get my robot to move around different conveyor belts in different <laughs> ways that are dictated by the cards I draw. Oh, you're telling me I have all the fun of shuffling around pieces of cardboard with the added excitement of robot programs? Peter Atkinson sat back in his chair. He looked at them with a very stern look. At one point, he turned to his left and he coughed. Then he looked back at them. He almost threw up in his mouth. And then he said, this is way too fucking expensive. Can you give me a completely different product in a week that uh, would be useful for people who were at conventions? Something that had very little uh, materials involved that they could carry around with them and play in between different. um, You're talking uh, about a game that's like portable and like uh, it's easy for quick play sessions. Totally. And it could be highly, highly addictive that you could sink thousands of dollars into. Oh no! Th- that's the thing, though. That was Richard's idea. <laughs> ah, there. That's when. That's when he comes in. Um, I will also side note: Richard Garfield is straight up the great great grandson of U.S. President James A. Garfield, <laughs> and I love that fact so much. And his uncle invented the paperclip. So this is a family motherfucking dynasty up in here. We got a paperclip. We got a, 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 if it weren't for the cat, completely unknown U.S. president. (laughs) (laughs) And and the inventor of Magic the Gathering all up in the same spot. You're saying this is like a noble house, like on Game of Thrones. This is like the Targaryens of America. Exactly. It's the Garfield family that involved both the cartoon cat, the former president with funny facial hair, and the creator of Magic the Atom. Also, he had like a cousin that was like a, a decently well-known artist in America, and she designed one of the magic cards for him. Yeah. So there you go. One of the thousands of magic cards <laughs> oh, that hold on, continue wait. to be released. Uh, what number do you have? Because it, it was tough finding the exact. The exact number? Well, I mean, okay. They they release how many uh, how many core sets do they, they release a year? I did not. Uh, I think like it's three? Th- three. Three sets a year. But that's and- how many cards are in a core set? That's like 
a shitload of cards. There's like a theme, and then there's subset. Again, this is where we're out of our element because it's so much, Jake. The, re, okay, researching this, there's like okay, I think I got my handle on the history. Like I've climbed this wall, and then you look up, and there's another bigger wall that's just the lore of the universe. Yes, and then you think you can like climb up that, and you look up, and it turns out that was just the base of a mountain that was the rules and tournament structure. Yes, it's there's so much to. It feels like a cult, in all honesty. Like every it's, single. Thing I looked up had to have like five more tabs open. Yes. Just to figure out what the hell the oh god, what's I keep saying yes, but yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. I, I mean I'm okay. Well, I mean, we'll get into it with the with the tournament. I mean, I was just like, okay, let's look up what tournaments are about. And then there's the constructed style and eternal style, and then there's the limited style tournament, and then there's the pro tour, and then there's the grand prix, and then there's Friday night magic. And oh, then are you there's... talking about type two standard style? Is it more commonly <laughs> known in the because I what they what the fans call it and what the company calls it are oftentimes two different things. I only play vintage. I only play vintage motherfuckers oh nice type yeah. 2 standard style a term known only by people who have type 2 diabetes yes <laughs> that's actually I would say that 50% of the people that we're probably playing with type 2 have type 2 diabetes <gasps> he um <laughs> Okay, all right. I want to. I want to put the kibosh in a lot of like nerd shaming that's going to yes. happen because we've all seen that there was that meme that came out I'm years ago. I'm sorry about that diabetes comment that I I'm just. Sorry, made. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I made no. a bad comment as well. I apologize. Yeah. But there's like, it's it's funny because it's true though. <laughs> is uh, we all saw the memes of like uh, the guy that went around the magic tournament praying hands near every exposed ass crack. Every, every ass crack. Uh, yeah. I watched a lot of footage of like professional players and like documentaries following them around and like. These are people who look like me. Yeah. <laughs> These are unathletic men. These are like kind of schlumpy, like bent over. They got that like weird back neck thing that you I can just tell. feel like you're really ragging on yourself right now, Jake. I think no, you're but here's very the thing, attractive. Though. Here's the thing. Of course, I'm a sex guy. I'd suck your fucking dick in a minute. <laughs> oh, don't you know I know? <laughs> you found my my mannequin, haven't you? You found my secret room when you and your lady came over. You found my secret room with the Jake mannequin in it. Well, you know what? We'll talk about that off show. That's an off show topic. Or maybe it's own episode. I mean, honestly, if we just start a podcast called Sex Mannequins, we will double our audience. Um, but that's the thing, though. They looked like me. And they were performing at the top of their game in high stakes competition in what are essentially battles of wills and like strength and focus. And like, if you are a guy who looks like me, you don't actually have a lot of opportunities for that. Uh, you know, it's it's not like an e-sport where you're just kind of like playing across the internet. It's not a sports sport where you're sweating a lot and your thighs are chafing because they rub so close to It's not even an eating competition where most of the guys on that are actually weirdly skinny. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the venue. This is their coliseum where they get to like compete and fight and they uh, enjoy it. And that's part of the reason why Magic the Gathering there's actually a lot of reasons why. This is one of the reasons why Magic the Gathering has stuck around for so long. It's 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 the combination of so many things. It's a game with an incredible depth of play and mechanic mixed with this whole trading card situation, mm -hmm. mixed with I wanted to bring this up here because yes, we have the dungeons and mixed with the lore, mixed with the with the the artwork. I mean, some people just want to collect them and look at the pretty pictures and and the game is almost secondary to that, you know? Um uh mixed with uh, the, uh, one of the big influences for creating the game was a game called Cosmic Encounter. And have you heard of that game, Jake? I 
You know what? It didn't. It didn't make its way into my notes. It's a sci-fi board game where each player takes the role of a different alien species that's able to break the rules of the game in a different specific way. It's a social game where players must conspire against or work with to attempt to establish control of the universe. And the main influence it had was whenever a card's text directly contradicts the rules, the card takes the precedence. And that was a lot from that game where where you yes you have your standard set of rules, but you keep introducing new cards and new cards that will totally like you throw out this card and it's like this card changes the fucking rules motherfucker and you say it like that too you go and you know flap your arms around like a bird if you're an asshole like me in a tournament play scenario honestly if magic the gathering what 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 that would be way more entertaining than current magic the gathering tournaments where just two very clammy white people stare at each other in silence yeah i would be lots of fun at a tournament we should we should get that to happen we gotta like i'll just be so bad i bet they'd kick me out pretty fast. But. We got a Cyrano de Bergerac you? Like, well, because I'll talk so much trash and I'll get my ass no, no, no. We'll me. have like we'll have an elite squad of 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 players like feed you information through like a transmitter. I'm sure that's but legal. you just no, 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 no. It'll be, <laughs> but don't worry. It's just a prank. It's just a mm. prank, bro. Uh, <laughs> but you just cause raw havoc and still win games. Um, God, that would be so much fun. Um, so Garfield Robo Rally. He leaves it. From what I read, he worked on it for like a week. What I mean, there was seemed to be some kind of there was this. Uh, the way I understand it is Garfield already had an idea for this game long for, ago for a long time. Yeah, it and, was. It was actually he had a game called Five Magics that he created in '82. Garfield, by the way, was born in '63 in Philly. Uh, ended up in Oregon at age 12. So this he's an old dog by this point. In '82. He created a game inspired by Cosmic Encounter called Five Magics, right? Okay. And then when he was initially uh, creating this game, he I think it was like he went and kind of created a prototype, came back to Wizard of the Coast. Um, and by the way, a lot of what why Robo Rally couldn't get made was they just didn't have the money back then, which is hilarious. Wizards to of think. the Coast really wasn't. They were a small operation. Basically, what they did was uh, publish lit, like small niche role playing guides. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, if you t- if you go back to our Dungeons and Dragons episode, one of my favorites, by the way, a lot of these similar scenes will come into play. Uh, they sp- published modules for like Dungeons and Dragons. They kind of uh, they just kind of. You know, just all the pamphlets, basically pamphlets. The uh, and also horny Hanks reasons not to masturbate. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, the the base the the, the str- last I lied about the last. Yeah, the strengths <laughs> of Wizards of the Coast and Peter Atkinson was that he had a buddy that could like print stuff for the cheap, and he had access. He was just chummy with a lot of fantasy artists in the Seattle area. Those were his unique connections. So the best thing he could make would be a card game with some neat art on it that he could print out for cheap. That's right. Uh, but with this, mm-hmm. with that imperative, uh, Garfield goes back to uh, the East Coast and he starts uh, kind of, I, I think he just, he printed out like little slips on cardstock, like literally an inkjet printer with trial cards. And like, kind of just distributed them to his like local friends that he knew from the role playing scene at uh, at Penn at uh, University of Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. They were all Penn students, and he was getting his doctorate. We should say uh, just to give a little background, because I think this actually does kind of come into play. He was a Bachelor of Science in compu- computer mathematics. He joined Bell Laboratories. If you know, that's the researchers working at Bell. They are credited with radio astronomy and the transistor and and the laser and all. 
all this crazy stuff, C and C++ uh, programming systems. He's, oh, so literally the entirety of the modern just world. Just insane stuff, right? That's Bell Laboratories, very prestigious. He ends up deciding he wants to continue his education at Pen- uh, University of Pennsylvania with a study in combinatorial mathematics. And I found this to be kind of interesting. It was the study of finite or countable discrete structures. It was like de- it's deciding when certain criteria can be met and constructing and analyzing objects, meeting the criteria, finding largest, smallest, and optimal objects. And to me, that actually does kind of translate to the way magic is played and worked. It's all about the combina- optimizing different <laughs> combinations of cards, right? It's it's magic for, for, for those who might not know, and we're, we're going to kind of roundabout talk about I all mean, the different systems I mean, for me, Magic the play. Gathering isn't about mathematics and construction. It's about staring at the sweet rack on the Sarah Angel card. <laughs> yeah, Are like, you kidding me? Can boy, we talk yo, about yo, yo, that, yo, please? Yo. It's 1994. <laughs> I almost have a boner, but it definitely made something fizzle. <laughs> It was like when I was staring at the cover of those Youngblood comics <laughs> with the girls with the hugies. It was like a lot about hugies back then. So it was image comics. and uh, I mean, may we bring up Lady Death. Mm. Ah. May we bring up Vampirella. Yeah, I was about to say Vampirella, you, you sweet bitch. Marcus, you sweet We're in the bitch. right mindset, though. We're in the right era. Yes. Yeah, and that's the thing. And what you have to realize is that we, okay, so reference our Spawn episode. We've had other episodes of the like where we have mentioned the sort of collector era of the 90s when there was this big rush to get to the stores to get collectibles and there was all these fads and they all those fads went away eventually and Magic though is one of the only ones from that era one of the only sort of collectible items that is still fucking huge today. People don't play Pogs anymore. No. Well I do sometimes. I have a weekly Pog meetup but that's me. That's terrifying. (laughs) Who else is goes to those? <laughs> Slammer Sue goes to that. Slammer Sue. I don't know her real name. Do you name. not use real names? I don't know her real No, no, no. We meet in the dark with with paper bags over our heads, <laughs> naked in the rest of our bodies. So I do know what she looks like. Um, uh, uh, I the, love this decadent underground pog Right? Orgy. It's like Eyes Wide Shut meets uh, Pog Slammer uh, competition. So, um, Did you bring the... Simpsons meets OJ collection, <laughs> dude. You, you will, ne- you will get the OJ Pogs for me when I am cold and dead <laughs> in the ground, and all of my children are dead, and all of my earth is scorched. <laughs> that is when you'll get my fucking OJ Pogs for me. What the hell were we talking about? Um, <laughs> oh, back in the collectible era, back in the day. Um, absolutely. Uh, uh, and and this this actually. And by the way, so. So, oh, and talking about the different systems and the combinatorial mathematics. Let's, okay, let's now we're there. back let's on track. Woo, we got there, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back on track. If you're on the way to work right now, fear not. We have a show <laughs> to do for you. So um, to me, combinatorial mathematics comes into play here in a big way and understanding how different systems work together. Mm. If that is actually what this style of mathematics is, which I'm not completely sure because I'm not a very smart man. Uh, to me, it <laughs> but says... But you do know what love is. But I have... Ooh, I know what love is. Do we <laughs> We have to reference the part where I said I'd suck your dick just minutes before this, I mean, Jake. Who knows if that's love? I'm going to say it like eight more times <laughs> in this episode. So get ready, rear up for it. Oh, we're losing a lot of subscribers. We just lost 15 <laughs> subscribers. That's weird. That's the weirdest thing ever. First of all, Marcus, please take that subscriber counter down. It's driving me insane. <laughs> It's driving me insane. He has it huge on the wall. Every time we walk in, he puts it up. Uh, it makes you work harder. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 
to me, that says magic. If you don't know, or if you do know, I'm going to repeat it to you again so you can feel good about knowing it. it it's about building decks, mm-hmm. and a deck building situation is something well known to people who do tabletop and sort of different types of card games and things like that. Um, but it's essentially creating the right combination of cards in a deck so that when you're randomly drawing cards, you hope to get these great combinations to be able to best your opponent. So there's definitely an element of luck involved, but you're trying to optimize that luck. Mm-hmm. So what's great about it is for new players, they can they can have really lucky breaks that allow them to win games. And for more experienced players, they can have it's really... It's about minimizing those, mm-hmm. uh, the lucky breaks for others. Yes, exactly. And they can really... And max and 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 maximizing their chances for for victory, depending on what their opponents um, are dealing on their side. And we are talking about a pool of thousands of cards, and they build a, a deck of sixty plus cards. But you only want to have, it's, depending on what game you're playing. By the way, there are so many different variations, yeah, yeah. and we will get into that. But um, you build a deck of uh, yes, we will be getting into that, Jake. I know you're upset about me saying that, but we will definitely talk about the ins and outs of tournament play. Or I want that hour of my life back. <laughs> It's about 60 plus cards, but you want to keep it to a minimum of 60 cards because that will up your chances of getting whatever certain Don't cards Don't forget you about have. the sideboard. Oh, my God. The sideboard. God, I love the sideboard. So what? Is it 15 cards off to the side? Off the this side. This is tournament play stuff. Um, yeah, there's 15 cards off to the side. And in between games, you can switch out car- uh, cards in your deck with those cards in, uh, in order to strategize against what your opponent was dealing. So, mm-hmm. But it, so it hits the core that... <clears throat> You are like a fully realized deck is a full expression of not just like your ability to buy booster packs, but your ability to like plan ahead and prepare. And uh, if you, you know, uh, another brilliant thing, uh, the current head of uh, game design for Wizards of the Coast, uh, Mark Rosewater, talks about Richard Garfield's golden trifecta. Mm. And that what made Magic such a perfect game right off the bat was. Uh, number one, the collectible trading card aspect. Yes. Which meant that uh, while there were previous card games uh, that came out, this was the first game that was bigger than a single box. He wanted to combine baseball cards with Dungeons and & Dragons and, and, mm-hmm. and different types of card games. And boy, did he do it. And you have to realize before Pokemon uh, card game and, and all of the, like this was the first time this was invented, which kind of is mind-blowing to me that it yeah. took until the 90s for someone to figure out how to make something like well, this. Well, trading cards, I as a kid, I love loved trading cards. I even mm-hmm. though I was not a sports fan, I everyone's collecting baseball cards, so I would like beg my parents for the latest upper deck pack. Uh Marvel cards, DC cards, like there were cards everywhere. They were this weird Oh, I had the Marvel um masterpiece. Oh, yeah. I still have them by the way. I still have a bunch Got of that Marvel Got that Joe Jusco work? Yeah, dog. It's the the more I think about just how much and Space Jam cards. Sorry. Oh yeah, got, and there. you got to get those hologram, get those foil yep. cards, got to get oh, man. Here's the th- you know what it is? Doing research, I finally realized what drove all this. It's just uh, scratch-off lotto tickets for kids. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we have, like, you're you're a child. You have no wealth to speak of. You only get so many booster packs that your parents are willing to give you. So each one, each uncrinkle foil pack is just a possibility of gaining something, well, of, of amassing wealth. Especially hey. at the uh, collector's uh, boom, mm-hmm. the speculator boom, I believe is what it's called. Everything from comic books to baseball cards to old Cracker Jack toys to, uh, and then like modern comics 
Beanie Babies, fuck. Pogs. Oh, it was all during that time. And, and hey, let's add another uh, uh, layer to that. Back in, for the first few years, there was straight up gambling involved. It was called your ante. Oh. And you would put a card off to the side. You'd call it an ante. Each person would do it. And you even had actual cards that would affect the ante in original magic cards. Um, and uh, you, at the end of the game, whoever won took both cards. And they, that was going on for a while until there was a big backlash because, like, that's not legal in a lot of states. And there it's- was a whole situation with you know gambling for kids the last card that mentions an ante on it was came out in 96 which by the way magic debuted in 94 i believe so Uh, it was only around for a couple years but there was straight up pog style kids gambling originally so and if you had wizard magazine you knew that these cards were worth money so like all of a sudden you were a br- like literally a child incapable of amassing wealth to your parents handing you a foil pack that maybe just maybe had a black lotus in it worth like a thousand dollars, which in 1993 was a billion dollars, a million billion dollars, <laughs> a billion dollars. <laughs> uh, back to the past. Yeah. <laughs> When we last left off our hero, Richard Garfield. He was working on a little game called Mana Clash. Uh, well, you know, uh, he wanted to call it Magic based on his proto game that he developed. As but a the kid. lawyers said, hey, you know what? You can't just call You might as well just call it Air. Yeah, you might as well call it Books. <laughs> might as well call it Cards. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and he was like, get out of here, lawyer, and stop stop doing doing H in my office. He was the lawyer had a horrible heroin addiction. It was crazy. So the first solicitation for uh magic actually used the word used the name mana clash. And uh this is where uh eventually they figured out that uh by adding the subtitle The Gathering, they could you could make it less generic and they mm-hmm. could actually trademark it. And they had Magic the Gathering wasn't even supposed to be the name for the entire game, it was just supposed to be the first set. This was the gathering, the op- the beginning of the magic community. Ah. Uh, you know, the next everything was supposed to be like the next set was supposed to be magic, ice age, magic, reckoning, magic, guardians of Gahul. I don't need. I don't even ask me what actual expansions are called. So it's almost kind of like how Game of Thrones is now Game of Thrones, even though it's supposed to be like Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, and and so oh, Magic the Gathering launches in 1993. The play testers for the game, going back to his school days, because he was getting his doctorate. He is Doctor Garfield, by the way. Mm. Uh, he was. Don't trust him <laughs> with your All right, lasagna. Marcus. All right, Marcus. Doctor Garfield. That's right. Oh, looks like I have to get rid of Mondays in my diet. <laughs> and uh, I'm allergic pers- to Mondays. Fuck. <laughs> cut it. Cut it. Add the- looks like I'm allergic to Mondays. That <laughs> Jay. <laughs> It was so good when you did it. I live right off the dome. <laughs> Eight years of improv classes cannot be lo- wrong. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, Garfield ends up putting this game out, and man, did it become successful. Also, real quick side note, he also cr- uh, created the Netrunner games, which mm-hmm. are huge card games. He, uh, he, Yeah, the uh, the living card game, which was the ex- kind yes. of a more manageable expansion on the trading card game where- a- Android Netrunner. Runner, yeah, it's a living card game, and actually, this is my forte because Lexi and I both uh, have been playing Lord of the Rings, the living card game, for the past couple years now. You're also a player of Dominion, all yes. these deck building games. Yeah, Dominion is a game where you're building your deck kind of within the game, and mm. everybody starts from an equal playing field. Lord of the Rings is a co-op LCG 
your living card game, which, by the way, so it's a TCG for magic trading card game, mm-hmm. right? Living card game is essentially you always know. Essentially, the difference is there just aren't, like, unknown booster packs. You mm-hmm. always know what cards you're getting. Also, the Lord of the Rings card game is um, a co-op game, but it definitely taught me a lot about deck building, and I definitely feel a lot more confident if I were to pick up magic that I'd basically yeah, yeah. understand, like, how to balance a deck, mm-hmm. you know? So they publish the game. This is the alpha build uh, that they end up publishing with Magic the Gathering. Uh, there's a ton of errors in the original printing. Mm. Uh, all the wor- In every single instance, the word discard has a capital C huh. in the middle because they just did a find and replace on the original like huh. files on it. There's a lot of misprints. There's a lot of errors. Uh, but... Uh, Peter Pete Atkinson, uh, the Wizards of the Coast guy that uh, you know w- when it, that you know was the initial head of Wizards of the Coast, uh, was selling the fuck out of this game. He was going from game store to game store, offering samples, doing trial games. He was pushing this hard, and the entire team uh, brought the game to Origin Con, which was this like games industry uh, kind of uh, what's the word uh, uh, convention gathering. And uh, a gathering and had live demonstrations there. And it was at our ironically enough uh, Gen Con Lake Geneva where Dungeons and Dragons was like formed and where that whole community came from. That's when they officially began selling it. And it was an instant hit to the to the point where they were afraid to advertise the game because they couldn't meet the current demand that was going on. And, they, and honestly, it was only in what was was it on the West Coast or the East Coast? Uh, for the most part, I believe it, it was, was the by the time like you could not get cards on the East Coast. Yeah, like by the East Coast, people didn't get cards until they were reprinting uh, sets like years later. But for them, it was the first time they'd ever gotten them. I mean, this is like this game was so snapped up so quickly mm-hmm. and it was so addictive for people that, yeah, it was really just kind of a mind blowing runaway success. Uh, I believe the alpha run was supposed to last them a year till they got on their feet, and it was completely sold out within a week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a beta run that is that is uh, differentiated from the alpha run if you're a nerd about it. Uh, <laughs> is that revised edition or did revised edition? Revised edition hit in 1994, um, and then it had two other re- uh, kind of re- redos. Uh, classic edition was 1999, and then the current standard Magic 2010 mm-hmm. came out in 2000. 2009. Uh, and it also got a big visual redesign in 2003. But it kept kind of evolving and changing. But but back then it was, yeah, it was, um, there were all these balance issues. and Because and, there's just a, a group of kids at Penn yeah, yeah, University yeah. playtesting this also, thing. Also, it was, again, with the anti-rules, there, uh, there, it was supposed to be just a fun little game. It was just supposed to be a, a literal time killer in between real games. Yep. But as the uh, collector's market grew, and as the stakes grew, and as the amount of uh, as dick-swinging uh, pride you could take in your deck grew, it became more and more uh, important to uh, minimize game-breaking flaws and, like, weird synergies. And uh, I think, I mean, if we're, we'll talk about the Power 9, I guess. Let's talk about the Power 9. I think that's a good time to talk about the... Power nine, power nine, nine. Uh, power nine oh five point three. There he is. Um, Cub Coobert, number one DJ. How'd you get in here? 
Uh, if you leave the door unlocked, Cub Cooper's about to come through. <laughs> I told you, get out of here, Cub Cooper, number uh, one DJ. All right. All right. Stop <laughs> giving cocaine to my daughter, Cub. <laughs> Stop doing it, Cub. Oh, this is the birth of beloved running character, Cub Cooper. <laughs> if a dog loves cocaine, Cub Cooper's going to give it to him. <laughs> I said get. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so the Power Nine, we are talking, of course, about none other than, well, most importantly, the Black Lotus card. And then we move on to Ancestral Recall, Time Walk, Mox Pearl, Mox Sapphire, Mox Jet, Mox Ruby, and Mox Emerald, also known as the Moxin, and Time Twister. Now, let's, I, could, I could talk about these for about... Five For minutes. the most part, they just gave you a lot of mana really early on, and that was kind of broke the entire uh, flow of the game, which is part of the golden trifecta. So just to explain how this sort of um, comes to be, you start the game, you draw seven cards. There's mulligans, blah, blah, blah. You can you can redeal the cards, whatever. But you start with seven cards, and in, in your hand, you've got these land cards. They have different types of colors that go along with them. You play those land cards, and then you tap them, right? Mm-hmm. And you can get mana. Mana is the currency that allows you to play other cards. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're familiar with games like Hearthstone, stuff like that, it's all the same kind of thing where as you play, you end up getting more and more of a mana pool to work with, and you can put more and more powerful cards. It's essential for the flow of the game. If yes. you neglect your low power cards early in the game, you can get swept before you even have enough mana to play your late game cards. And and so giving you the opportunity so that, for instance, the Black Lotus, it grants three mana upon discarding it, played at zero cost, um, and uh, so therefore um, getting three mana up top gives you an intense advantage immediately over the other player. And so and, and it, so it's just, it, they, they had to get rid of it fairly quickly. And because of that, it's incredibly rare. That's the most rare one. And um, it was sold at auction in November 2013 for $27,000. $27, That's how fucking bonkers thousand this card is. God damn. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the foil Charizard. It's the amazing fantasy number 15. It's yeah. like the totem of this entire cultural movement's uh, kind of importance. If you want to enjoy a person uh. loving life, just look up like Black Lotus unboxing in YouTube and just watch people because people do like unboxing videos. And when they find that, there's one in particular I remember when he finds the card. I mean, it's just the happiest it's a day. Of Black this, Lotus. It's the happiest day of this guy's <laughs> oh my, life. Oh my I mean, gosh! You're like witnessing it on, you know, he's got the gloves on. His and hands he does are this, shaking. He does it all day, you know, and he's just fucking. Fi- he hits it, and he's just. It's just huge. It's just the greatest thing that ever happened to you as a magic collector. Now, using the Black Lotus as the example, uh, these cards could win games. They were rare, like even within the magic set, they were harder to find, and so. And there were only so many of them, so they were incredibly valuable. So the secondary market for magic cards blossomed immediately. And all these uh, direct market stores that were already selling baseball cards and Marvel cards and old comics and all and sports memorabilia, they were ready to inflate this bubble. They were, like, from day one, they were like, oh, you mean uh, I can just resell this to a desperate mom for 50 times what it's worth? I gotcha. <laughs> And it was actually an important moment in Wizards of the Coast history where they saw this game that was gaining such popularity and becoming such a fad, such a bubble. And these are mathematicians. They know what a bubble looks like. They know what overvaluation looks like. And they saw it happening with their game. 
And uh, investors and suits were like, sweet, we're making money. But the core R&D team uh, with people like Richard Garfield as well as uh, – shit, I forgot their name. But there's other – there were other guys. Jim Jiminy. Give me, a give lot me of the UPenn guys. A lot of yeah. the UPenn guys like – Tom Timpkins. And has, always had the same letter uh, for first name and last name. Uh like stood their ground and pressured them to release more cards to flood the market and completely kneecap the uh, magic to kneecap the speculator market, which infuriated a lot of their like in theory most important uh, distributors. You know the actual uh, the collectors that bought in early, the people that uh, ran stores. You know they were furious because you know you just spent a thousand a, a billion dollars for a black lotus and now you're actively trying to make it worthless. Uh, so in order to balance it out, uh, they created the reserve list, which is a very small list of cards that Magic is forbidden from reprinting, uh, in order to preserve the value of this small like cast of incredibly expensive cards. But by on purpose nuking the rest of the speculator market they kind of endured while pogs crashed old you know comics crashed everything else crashed and magic just stayed a fun popular game yeah because they were just trying to tinker make it str- make the game stronger mm. make make it more enjoyable I- i'm sorry too you went you said the golden trifecta what were okay so we've got the collect the collectability trading part of it uh uh collectability oh god I'm I'm pulling I'm pulling a real D and D lore. Uh, no, not lore. Fuck okay. lore. Have, Fuck lore. Have you tried looking at D and D and MTG lore? Yeah, Bress Gorblock, the the <laughs> old fucker, emerged from the Who Gives a Zone. Um, okay, so uh, the color system, the mana color system, where each color coincides with a different style of play and engaging. With uh, with with the uh, with so, the game. So you feel like you're a type of you're like in a yeah. clan. You're like you're, in a you're clan. like on a on a yeah. Or that the game kind of adapts to your own personal preferences. Mm. So uh, the for example, blue is like water, and it's about like adapting and kind of shutting down other people's attacks rather than like going for the jugular yourself. It's very reactive. Uh, a lot of people do black and red decks, which are very aggressive and very attack based. And then there's other ones that. I couldn't look up in time. <laughs> uh, the the white one is is like kind of what it, what it would normally be in like a fantasy thing. Like it's like a healer. Mm-hmm. It's also um, it it puts out a lot of small creatures, but a lot of them in mass, and sort of they so they can all kind of come in and and just like attack the shit like like a bunch of uh you know fire ants or something kind of a situation. <laughs> um, so uh, oh, and then the uh, the last one is. Oh, the mana system itself. Ah, yes. Uh, The fact that uh, it's a card game where even the low-level cards have value. Yes. Because there's a ramp-up, and it it goes in stages between the early game, the mid-game, and the late game. Yes, and you have to constantly be sort of slowly collecting resources in order to play the bigger stuff. And I I know that that's – I've dabbled in a little bit of Hearthstone that's very – I mean, Hearthstone Hearthstone is is Blizzard's version of Magic. I mean, it's straight up, and it's the same deal. There's not even a – They call it mana. Yeah. You know, it's it's all that stuff, so. So the game is getting more popular. Uh, It's – it's they're they're trying new things they're they're uh they're making hand over fist money 
Uh, eventually, uh, Wizards of the Coast ends up buying the original owners of Dungeons & Dragons, TSR. Yeah, they get so big that the influencer of Richard Garfield, the biggest influence to make magic... Wizards of the Coast existed to make modules for games like Dungeons & Dragons, they and now they bought Dungeons and & Dragons and are re- releasing their own Dungeon Master's Guide and all of that good stuff. And everything now is sanctioned through Wizards of the Coast, mm-hmm. which is insane that they, they were able to get that massive. But it makes sense. I mean, if you go to any sort of, you know, in uh, New York, I highly suggest uh, check out The Complete Strategist. It's a great place yeah. to go for any sort of board game and card games and stuff like that. Is, uh, what is it, 10-Sided Die? 20-Sided Die, 20-sided I believe. 20-Sided Die in Waynesburg, in Waynesburg is also really cool. There's The Geekery, um, and they do Friday night magic you can just yeah play pickup games mm-hmm. well yeah that's a big entry point for people so if you want to start at the bottom and work your way up um friday night magic is where you can go if you're starting to get your you know get your toes dipped in the water of of magic and you're, you're finding of, some synergies you got a deck you're beating your friends you're, you're like curious about competitive play then you can go to whatever your sort of card game board game shop and they will probably have friday night magic which is a beginner friendly sort of introduction to organized play and wizards of the coast sweetens the pot for you they release uh special promotional foil cards that are distributed to the winners of those friday night magic games that's how they kind of get people in a little bit again just sucking at the tea to that collectible shit. Um, but the first world tournament um, was actually held as early as 94 from what I saw, which is that's that's an intense – I mean, it was released in 93, and there's already a tournament now. This was like um, – you know, now it's invitational, but this was actually uh, – Totally uh, a single elimination, 512-person event. Anybody could enter it. Um, the the winner, Zach Dolan, uh, received a trophy but no money. Uh, he was also given a large number of booster packs from various expansions, uh, Arabian Nights through Ice Age, along with a deck of poker cards with Magic the Gathering backs on them and a T-shirt. Now, just for your reference, the current prize pack for winning a world championship of Magic the Gathering today is $50,000. This guy got a T-shirt and some poker <laughs> cards. <laughs> Holy shit. But apparently those booster packs that he got are worth uh, quite a pretty penny because they're, they're unique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, honestly, people listening right now, the ones that didn't turn us off immediately after we butchered their favorite pastime. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you go to a Facebook group right now, leave a leave your DCI number. Like, there's people registered all over the world, and it's kind of if you if you have like an older person in your life, ask them what their bridge number is. Like, there's it's this weird decentralized, centralized kind of tracking system that kind of lets you even a, even a normal you know off the street Joe kind of like make their way into tournaments. So DCI stands for the Duelist Convocation International. It's the official sanctioning body for competitive play. They had they provide the game rules. They have the tournament operating procedures. They give up uh, materials to private tournament organi- organizers, organizers and play. And yes, you get a number when you register with them. And that's when you go around and they keep tabs on all of your stats on the games you've won in tournament play and things like that. And essentially what you have to do is you have to get enough points from playing different sort of small level tournaments and if you if it adds up to be enough they'll invite you to the pro tour and the pro tours where all the shit gets down that's when all the fucking dicks come out and all the real motherfuckers come in they've got big you know they're like it's it's mostly very intense white men sitting silently 
You can like see the anxiety in their eyes because like they Ooh. care so much about this, but they can't reveal their emotions to their opponent. It's dirty, <laughs> dirty action, but they don't say nothing, right? It all happens. It all happens on the board, ladies and gentlemen. It's actually pretty polite. It's actually a pretty friendly kind of generally uh, uh, scenario. But they're they're. I mean, they are intense because the game is so fuck up with fuck with a bull. Yeah, it's a new word word of the yeah. day. Fuck with a bull. Uh, you know, you are discouraged from even looking to your left or right during play. It is like, you know, it's if they suspect cheating, they will toss you out. And it's I seeing footage from the uh, tournaments. They're just, you know, old people in referee shirts being like, stay focused on the game. If we have any inclination of cheating, we will act upon it. Like, <laughs> um. So there are three different types of uh, kind of categories that you can play in. It's constructed, eternal, and limited. Now these are types of tournament play. There are way there's a ton of other t- ways to play Magic, but uh, Don't those, those draft. are tournament sanctioned. Draft is a whole situation. So and then composite is when they put your uh, constructed and limited ratings. Oh, and together. then there's modern. Don't forget modern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, yeah, there's there's so many different types. I we'll, we'll go and over commander. These oh, we didn't even talk about commander. I don't even know commander. Uh, commander is a, a fan-driven movement where like uh, individual creatures and heroes were given high status uh, as a commander card and. It seemed I didn't understand, but it was purely like fan created, and it was and uh, Wizards of the Coast has adopted as an official style of play. Mine, uh, my style I like to use is fuck you style. It's when I show up at a mag, uh, magic <laughs> tournament with Warhammer figurines, <laughs> and I just try to play against whoever wants to sit at the table with me. I'm just like, yeah, my my bulldozer gr- uh, goblin just fucking ripped another one of your cards up, and I just like okay, okay. I show up with just... it in a cowboy outfit and just go aces wild. <laughs> 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 what in tarnation? <laughs> It's high noon. Um, <laughs> so constructed is when the decks consist of no fewer than 60 cards, like I mentioned earlier. And like we mentioned earlier, it has the sideboard of 15 cards, and you can switch them out. Eternal sounds like a shit show nightmare, where um, <laughs> you can construct your deck uh, from all the magic car- cards that ever existed, at least before the classic like OG cards. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you literally have a pool of however many cards you could amass to take with you, whereas um, constructed... It Imagine has- sitting down with someone with the implicit agreement that like you both... Both know what all sixteen thousand, not counting like mana, whatever, all sixteen thousand cards do on and, site. And then limited sounds a lot more interesting to me because uh, you show up, they hand you the cards, and you play with what they give you. And so there's no like collecting crazy ass bullshit. You just show up, and they do it in a weird draft. They a person opens a pack, they look at it, they pick a card out, and then hand the pa- the booster pack to the next person, and they tra- straight up do it like a like a fantasy football draft. There's sub-strategy. There's like people have deconstructed the game to the point where like there are sub-strategies within draft that like you can like guess people's uh, decks just by like seeing what's in your hand. Uh-huh. Pretty, pretty goddamn bonkers. And then um, they, yeah, and, and there's other types of tournaments as well. So uh, that's like a basics on how. The, so the, the, in a pro tour, people are playing constructed. They're playing eternal. They're playing limited. They're getting combo scores. There, there's all different approaches and styles. The pro tour 
was introduced in 1996. Um, the first event was held in New York, and it was actually briefly called the Black Lotus Pro Tour, yeah. um, which is fun because we mentioned that earlier. It was an invitation only. It still is, um, and it carries a total purse of $250,000, the winner receiving $40,000 for a general Pro Tour match. There are... Uh, they're held uh, during a 12-month season, and um, that culminates in the World Championships. So you got to win a dickload of games of Magic in order to make it to the World Championship yeah. and be a world champion. I remember, and we, I think we all might remember this online. Um, I forget who it was, but some shitty reporter for one of those shitty like online magazines like wrote this th- the horrors of online dating because she ended up gasp in a dating situation with on a blind date with a guy who was gasp a world champion of magic the mm. gathering and he seemed like a really sweet guy and everybody like trashed the i mean i feel bad for it now kind of because everybody trashed this woman um and he was like yeah i'm the best at something in the world <laughs> and thousands and thousands of people play this game yeah i'm the worst i'm the i'm such a loser you know as of as of uh, 2016, uh, Wizards of the Coast claims that there are 10 million Magic the Gathering players across the world. It's completely, completely insane. And uh, speaking of Eternal, by the way, going back to that where you kind of have the whole pot, then there's this whole, whole other subculture of people who play only vintage. And vintage is when they play with all the old school cards and they only like play alpha or beta and they're super, they're like the, yeah. almost the hipsters of, which is kind of funny that I say that. No, because, they're, they're the old dogs. Those yeah, are the guys in like their the 40s guys. and 50s. There's a really cool Vice like mini documentary about these guys out in Jersey. It's hilarious too because these like big Jersey guys. I thought it's Long, I think they're in Long Island. Oh, is it Long Island? My bad. And, and they are very like, Italian, though, so you're Italian, right to be like, confused. We love magic, you know, but we only play, vintage, you know, and it's all about their meetups and playing playing vintage style, and they all they all play, like, old school style with all the old cards, and they all have, like, a moxin. They all have, you know, they all have those crazy-ass, like, initial, like, yeah. uh, uh, almost cheatery cards that they play with. But, um, yeah, it's, it's like there's so many subsets of, of players and styles of play. I mean, if you want to be like a an annoying know-it-all about a thing, like go be a ma- you know be a magic player that's just like um um I'm sorry <laughs> excuse me but I believe that the you know the Thrasher Lord is a part of the you know you can be that person with magic. I mean that's the thing though is again I repeat my previous statement those kinds of people needed a forum to excel yes and magic serves that yeah it's like the best for that because you can not only uh know a lot about a really really in-depth um albeit like uh, you know fantasy based thing but you can put it into play and actually beat other people not just feel superior because you feel like you can out like out talk about something but also be able to just straight up get a V against somebody. Well, Gerald, you're 400 pounds asthmatic and your hobbies include data accumulation and system exploits. (laughs) Have I got a game for you? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, one more tournament I wanted to talk about. Uh, There's also the Grand Prix. Actually, two more. There's the Grand Prix. Anybody can enter. um, And that's a good way for you to kind of come out of nowhere, be a rookie. There's a Rookie of the Year award every year at the the World Championship um, based on somebody who, the new kid who's winning all the games up top. But uh, the Grand Prix, anybody can enter and it's this crazy two-day tournament and you could end up getting invited to the pro tour by excelling in that and so that's a good uh way for you if you think you're 
just like gonna you know if you think you got what it takes if you want to be that underdog um and then there's also the magic invitational tournament which uh hasn't happened since 2007 and the reason why this game is so interesting is it's only 16 of the best players of the past year that are invited it's like mortal Kombat for magic right they duel in various formats. The formats are are special. They're very different. An example that was listed in the Wikia is uh, the auction of the people. Um, a number of decks of comparable strength, at least as many decks as players in the tournament, is prepared, and the deck lists are made p- publicly available. An auctioner then selects a deck, and the participating players bid life points and hand cards below a starting value previously announced. So it's like they do this crazy bonkers auction situation to start to get play going. And the really interesting thing about... This entire episode is about you getting jazzed to buy your first starter set. I know, right? I'm like, hi, it is. It, it really, especially getting into Lord of the Rings, the living card game, and it, it's such a slippery slip because they have the same kind of thing where they have like bigger sets and smaller sets. And I'm always like, Lexi, maybe we need to get another adventure pack. I just feel like scratching another adventure pack. I'm like, <laughs> I know because they got some really good, uh, you know, dwarf cards in there, and you're building your dwarf deck, and I'm building my eagle deck. And it's like, <laughs> if we get these cards right, we can start beating these quests at like a faster rate. Um, and, uh, and it really does like roll like that, you know, for, 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 uh, magic as well. My girlfriend and I just watch old episodes of Japanese Iron Chef. I feel and, so bad and make for out. I feel so bad for Lexi sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I just, I'm just like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. You can't, you can't deny it's, you're not having fun. The look on her face when I read it, when I, because I went over the rules of the Lord of the Rings living card game with her. It's like a 20 page rule book. It's fantasy flight. I mean, it's yeah. complicated. And just the look on her face while I was on page like five, like reading these rules. I'm like, so you get that, right? So um, that's how you do an encounter check. So if it's like, if the number here matches here and she's just like, what? Why are we doing this? Why would we do this? <laughs> um, so um, the interesting thing about the Invitational Tournament, though, is the winner each year got to design a magic card, and they would all actually get to, like, it would be their likeness as, like, a different, like, creature or goblin or something like that. And they got to create the rules of the card, and R&D, research and development, would then get to go kind of make sure it all checked out and worked out for the game. But they always got to... Um, create like a, 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 a their own thing so there's only like a select few it's 97 to 2007 so i think there's only like 10 cards out there um where uh these like these unique ass like these dudes got on their own cards oh yeah and that's fucking really cool like i think that's awesome that they did that and they stopped doing it in 2007 so like if they bring it back if they bring back that uh the internet invitational rather it'll be like oh shit like everybody <laughs> will freak out Uh, It would be remiss to uh, talk about Magic the Gathering and not mention the fact that, like all the rad shit we've talked about on this this show, uh, obviously Christians got upset at it. Of course, it was definitely satanic. I mean, why wouldn't it be? There's cards. There's literal, like, graveyard demons Mm. bathed in fire on it. The uh, five-color mana symbol on the back of every Magic the Gathering card can easily be turned into a pentagram. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was just violence and boobs and tattoos and monsters. Hell yeah, you're getting me horny. Uh, so uh, a lot of listeners, if you grew up in a particularly religious school, say a uh, yeshiva or a cat or Saint Mary's of guilt, you never saw an episode of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. You certainly never saw an episode of South Park. You and didn't you, play Dungeons and Dragons. You did not play Dungeons and Dragons. And God help you if they caught you with a spawn. Ooh. 
my God, if they caught you with a Spawn comic, you were getting lashings or what did they do? They didn't feed you for a couple months. They uh, they, they stabbed you through the throat with a ruler. <laughs> so it was all, of course, it was all controversy about the thing that probably kept kids from going out and doing drugs and having unprotected sex. <laughs> Magic the Gathering. I love that that, like Dungeons and Dragons and Magic, which are probably the two things you can feel safest about your children being into, mm-hmm. you know, um, are, of course, uh, you know. Uh, uh, terif- t- you know, terrifying to Christians. I mean, in the while. 1920s, people were scared that kids were playing too much pool. Like yeah. every olds are bad, uh, youngs rule. Youngs rule the school. If you're if you're under age 30, congratulations, you're better than me. <laughs> but sh- they did release a new deck of magic, and uh, and some of the cards can be put together and modified to create a vaporizer. Oh. So yeah, it's, a vape. Oh yeah, you can create a vape pen with um certain goblin cards. That's nice. So, yeah, there you go. Um, the more you know from this informative podcast. Let's take it home. Let's take it home. <laughs> yeah. So magic inspired a lot of things. We mentioned Hearthstone. Um, I think if you were interested in checking out magic but didn't necessarily want to go buy start buying booster packs, you can play Magic Online. I have some friends who love playing Magic Online. Um. You can even play that. I think my buddy plays it through his Xbox. Uh, The Xbox 360 version, I think, was, like, free. Okay. And that was, like, a big turning point for a lot of people. That was, like, their first entry point to Magic the Gathering. Or a lot of people's return to Uh, Magic the Gathering. Because I think he was, like, a huge Magic player back in the day. But he was like, oh, I can't, like, fill my closet with all these cards. And then, you know, now it's like, oh, I can just play this way. And then, of course, Hearthstone is massive. And we talked about, you know, Blizzard in our Overwatch episode. And that definitely their approach to any different genre of gaming they tend to nail uh, out the box. And but here's I, the ironic thing is Hearthstone is waning. Hearthstone oh. is kind of like it's reached its peak and it's kind mm. of like piddling down a little. The f- user base isn't really as excited a- about mm. it. They're lo- uh, On Twitch, it's not as popular as it once was. And all the while, in card stores after card store, after, you know, in, in out in the flesh space, Magic Gathering's just been floating along. It's, it's the, just been It's just been there. It's but, just been dedicated to staying relevant and staying fun and staying engaging besides like pokemon trading cards it is the first thing you're gonna see and and you're gonna see it in non-gaming shops it's like that one nerd item that you'll find even just in some kind of like Mm -hmm. uh shop that's like a maybe a vintage store or something i don't know some kind of random knickknack shops they'll just tend to have they'll always just be a box of magic cards somehow honestly the next the next time I see one, I'm going to buy me a booster pack just okay. to, like, feel that old familiar thrill. Just to get it. Just to get it. And wh- where do you start with magic? I mean, if somebody was interested in going out right now, they want to get a core set, right? Yeah. They just want to go out and get a core set. Probably just go to your local gaming shop, talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. They'll probably be able to set you up with what you need. But you probably want a core set, maybe a couple booster packs, and that'll get you going. Yeah, and from there, yeah, start building your own deck. Um, or or if you're, like, a, a, a rich person, uh look up a tournament worthy deck in the current meta ah. and buy each card individually there <laughs> off you go. of uh oh weird side note sure uh do you remember like the giant you know you know bitcoin was like a huge bubble and then it like had all these like fucked up crashes and like controversies do you know mount gox no M- i, d- I want to know mount gox <laughs> was like the number one distributor and 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 uh and and marketplace for Bitcoin, so like they were making millions, if not a billion dollars in transactions, uh, and 
turns out uh, someone within the organization was stealing uh, millions of dollars and they it devaluated the currency uh, in a terrifying con- in a terrifying scandal. But Bitcoin started as an online magic the gat like Mount Gox's Magic the Gathering online exchange. Huh. Yeah. Like even even in the worlds of international finance, Magic the Gathering like found a way to be important. Wow. That's crazy. It's chess, it's poker, it's wizards, it's 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 baseball cards. It's baseball cards, it's everything. Yep. And it's just it's just three dollars a little booster pack, man. Come on. There you go. Come on, man. Just three dollars. And then you can be your own planeswalker. <laughs> uh fuck the lore. We're not <laughs> not even trying. The planeswalkers are the wizards that are able to go from different the multiverse. The only original character that matters in Magic the Gathering is Fibblethip, the one eyed mm. naked goblin man from the uh from the completely lost card. <laughs> Totally lost. It's the totally lost card. So it's a useless card, and people love Fibblethip. People love Fibblethip. It's, uh, he's, he's scared, he's in obsidian, <laughs> he's naked, and he only has one eye. Well, just give it a Google and uh, <laughs> enjoy that, that wonderful image as we say goodbye to you on our episode of Magic the Gathering. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, I'm Holden, the uh, wonderfully brutal bruiser, uh, and you can catch me on Twitch at Holdenator's Ho. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young and uh, check out the Giraffe channel where me and some uh, college humor artists hang out and do shenanigans. And please rate and review us, of course, on iTunes. Every little rating means a million. And thank you so much for listening. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.